Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. I'm John Negroni. I'm the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of Cinemaholics.com. Once in a while, I write books and stuff. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he also reviews films for Cinemaholics.com. It's Will Ashton. Hello. Will, guess what? You're going to be so excited when I tell you this. What's up? We have a special guest this week. Not that you're surprised. Yeah. And I think this is the first time this is a big deal. We're having someone on who was requested to us. We've never had somebody on who was requested unless it was requested by the person who's on. (laughs) And this is a first for us because one of our patrons on patreon.com slash cinemaholics asked, they they came to us and they're like, John, Will, mainly John, because they were talking to me. I want you guys to be able to talk to this awesome YouTuber. (laughs) She dishes out reviews and pop culture commentary of all kinds on her YouTube channel, Amanda the Jedi. Please put your Kyber crystals together for fittingly enough. (laughs) Amanda the Jedi. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for whoever requested me. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being so awesome that you were requested in the first place. Uh, We're excited. You're here. Sweet. Hell yeah. You can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive on cinemaholics.com. And you can write into the show anytime by sending us an email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And you can support us directly by becoming one of our monthly patrons. That's right. I said it. I'll say it again. It's patreon.com slash cinemaholics. And we've been plugging this the last couple of weeks. But if you're interested in helping us out in the ratings department, we've made it even easier. It's it's never been so simple. You just go to ratethispodcast.com slash cinemaholics. You'll be able to review us on whatever podcast directory you call home. And I hope it's one where you can rate podcasts in the first place because not all of them can. All right. So, Amanda, Will, it's it's been kind of a tough week, has it not? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A lot of stuff's gone on. I think uh, that's fair to say. Uh, we're yeah. we're going to have a little bit of a, an in-depth conversation about that later in the show. But for now, uh, oh, first, we, we have to we have to plug our newest extra milestones coming out. A little bit of good news before we get to the stuff. Um, Will Ashton, you're supposed to be coming on, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about His Girl Friday yep. with Sam mm-hmm. Nolan. Finally going to be doing that this week. So listeners, get ready. We're going to be talking about that 1940 classic. Amanda, have you seen His Girl Friday? I have, yeah. Yeah, it it's celebrating an anniversary. We're checking it out. I just rewatched it. What do you what do you think of his Girl Friday? What's your what's your drive by review? <laughs> My drive by. I've been watching a really long time, but I remember the first time that I ended up watching it was because like this band, I think called the Academy is made a song called his girl Friday, which was like mm. in back then, like Fall Out Boy and all these different bands would make like songs that are just named after classic movies. And like right. it was actually like quite good, honestly, like it was it was a nice, a nice little it's a classic, you know? Yeah. Things are are not the way they were in the 1940s. I think that's when that came out. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a simpler time. It's gender politics have aged like uh, not wine, but the cheese that goes with the wine, probably. Yeah, um, absolutely. We're gonna have a fun conversation about yeah, that. Yeah, the the tame domestic life of yeah. <laughs> these people with Cary Grant. Uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm also planning to. Well, I don't know if I told you this to rewatch the front page. I started it because that's of course okay. the remake. His Girl Friday is the remake, so I don't know. You said you saw the front page already, right, Will? No, I mean, I'm familiar with the play. I haven't seen the movie of it, though. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Well, regardless, it's on Criterion <laughs> Channel, so if you have time, you should probably give okay. it a look. Challenging you. <laughs> All right, uh, we have a bunch of reviews to get to. We're going to be talking about The Hunt, Guns Akimbo, and more. Uh, but yes, it's the thing that's on everybody's mind. It is the coronavirus. It's kind of changed 
a lot of things lately, so we're going to lightly address it here. First off, I want to say, how are you both doing? We've been having this sort of like, everyone's been saying like, stay at home, which we of course recommend, uh, mm-hmm. keep to yourself, work from home. Uh, man, how, how have you been doing with all of this? Uh, I know you're in Canada actually, right? Yeah, so it's not too bad. I think we we have we have cases in this province now, which are making people freak out. But like, mm. I live in one of the smaller provinces, which is still about the same size as like the average state in America. Hmm. So it's uh, it's like I'm just being being cautious. Like I was, I don't really need to go out that much, anyways. But every once in a while, you just like need groceries and you need things so i have been trying to like stock up on things so that if i do just have to be like okay that's it i'm hunkering down for two weeks like i'm good to go i think i officially made the choice now that i'm gonna stop going to movie theaters which kind of sucks but yeah 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 it's tough i I think some of the movie theaters around here are now limiting their capacity yeah a lot of places are doing half capacity they have not like the big chain in canada has not done that but uh, i know the tiff bell Lightbox, which is in toronto where they play obviously a lot of stuff for tiff but they play stuff throughout the year that's like tends to be the better stuff um they're shutting down for like a month straight like they're not putting anything in it for a month and it's like very nice theater um, but I'm, I'm kind of expecting that Cineplex, which is the larger brand here, is eventually going to have to be like limiting because I'm pretty sure they're banning any congregations of more than 150 people. And the average movie theater has more than 150 seats. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In uh, San Francisco Bay Area, we're now at the point where any gathering over 100 is banned and yeah. even some gyms are starting to close down. And yeah. Like bigger cities bad. is definitely a bigger concern, though, like for sure. Oh, so yeah. I get it. Yeah, and the surrounding area, and it, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a lot of hoopla. Will you work in the independent independent film theater theatrical distribution world over in Pittsburgh? Uh, has this been impacting you uh, a ton? How's it going over there? Yeah, well, the theater itself is they made the decision to close it until April, so um, I won't be working there until then. And then I'm still uncertain how I'm going to go about with theaters. Like you mentioned, I'm kind of of like the mindset where it's like it's probably better just to not go but i'm also thinking like could i go to like morning or like afternoon matinee shows where it's like low attendance and like and like yeah like in the middle of the week and stuff right yeah but it just takes one person being sick it just takes one person in that auditorium to just cough Mm -hmm. and then you're like ah crap going home you know going home now yeah 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 like luckily the uh the industry is kind of making our choice for us by pushing yeah, just movies right. back so there's not that much to see. Especially this week and the next couple of weeks, I imagine I'm going to be staying home as much as possible to mm-hmm. uh, avoid being in any contaminated areas or large crowds or anything like that. Now, I, I know what a lot of you listeners are probably thinking. Hold on. Cinemaholics is the of the moment weekly podcast about cinema. What are John and Will going to talk about for the next three to who knows how many weeks? Well, hypothetical Mm. listener I'm making up in my head, I have great news for you. We are going to be talking about that later in the show. Will and I are going to have a little fireside chat and we're going to we're going to have like a full on conversation about this and we are going to be putting it to you all. Yeah, I was going to say 12 feet apart from each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In our fireside chat. Maybe more than that. Uh, (laughs) We are not in the same room. That's how it's going to stay. Yeah, we're going to be talking about all the different types of episodes that you all might want so we're going to throw out a bunch of different things and listeners we're going to need your help in the comment section of cinemaholics.com and of course on twitter and like all the other avenues you can find us 
Uh, we we want to know what what do you guys want us to talk about? It, it can be a range of things. Obviously, there's still streaming releases coming out, and so we'll talk about that later in the show. But for now, let's all take a break from all the hoopla and let's talk about the films. I'm ready to talk about the hunt, and the hunt is the the 2020 film that they don't want you to see. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, this one was directed by Craig. Uh, how do you say his last name? Zobel. I think so. That's how I, I was pronouncing like it. Zobel. Yeah, it's like Z O B E L. Yes, yes. He uh, he yeah. made compliance, I believe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this one was supposed to come out in 2019, and we're we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the backstory of that probably in a minute here. Uh, but the hunt is a basic premise. It actually used to be called Red State versus Blue State, mm-hmm. and it's like the most dangerous game where humans hunt other humans for sport, but everybody's favorite topic has been shoved into the story and that's politics. Everyone loves politics. We talk about it all the time on Cinemaholics. Uh, if you're paying attention to our one-star reviews, the hunt is about a group of liberal elites who hunt down red states, uh, quote unquote deplorables as they're referred to. Mm-hmm. And if you're outside of America, as I know a lot of listeners are, that may be kind of unfil- unfamiliar territory, but the gist of it is that there is a big divide in America between the liberal political people and the more conservative political people. And this movie is a satire about that rift. We follow this character played by Betty Gilpin named Crystal, who goes throughout the movie being just a general badass. And it's like this campy action satire. I mean, satire is the best word for it, probably. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that, that's not sitting super well with a lot of other people. Now, as we get into more of the details of this movie, I want to hear from you, Amanda, because I know some people are listening to Cinemaholics, and they, they haven't had the chance yet to watch your YouTube videos. So they don't know your... Mm-hmm. What, what do you have to offer? And so I want to turn it to you. What is this controversy about? Can you explain it? And yeah. so our listener can be like, oh, I'm subscribing right away to Amanda the Jedi. Yeah, for sure. There was like a couple different things that went on in really quick succession. One of them, I assume they actually wanted. And we can kind of see that with the current marketing that they were really looking forward to it. And then there was an actual tragedy that kind of happened at the same time that uh, kind of further sparked them delaying it. Otherwise, I don't think they would have delayed it from September to now. But essentially, uh, you know, the whole red state versus blue state liberal elite thing. One day, Donald Trump tweeted this tweet that was something to the these Hollywood liberal elites are, you know, they're literally now making movies about killing us. And it's just causing this is real racism and this is causing the division of this country. But when you watch the trailer, it's pretty obvious that the people, as per usual in most movies, bar a couple exceptions, the people that are being hunted are usually the side that you're supposed to be like rooting for. They're the protagonists of the situation. So I don't understand how you could watch that trailer and be like, this is anti-conservative, anti-regular, good, red-blooded American people and and not understand the point that it's trying to to make because the, the, the movie itself ends up being pretty um, like in between. It's basically taking shots at both sides. But the trailer definitely amps it up more that like the blue state, as it would have been in the original title, are like the real bad guys. So that started and then obviously like Fox News got in it, all these different 
news sites started posting crazy headlines being like, this is the most dangerous thing. This is disgusting. Like humans killing humans is not right. Like if you actually look up the new hunt poster, it has a bunch of these like headlines on it from what was being said that didn't make sense because no one had actually seen the movie except for some small test audiences. (laughs) But then the thing that really led to it being delayed was that there was the, the shooting in Dayton, Ohio. And then people started linking it to that, being like, how can we release a movie in these times that involve hunting people? Ignoring the fact that those types of movies come out all the time. Like we have like, what, four Purge movies at this point? (laughs) Like it's we had Ready or Not came out like a few months after that. Like this is not a new or unique thing. But that's what that made them make the choice to be like, okay, we're going to we're going to delay it. This isn't the right time. And now they're really using the whole thing to their advantage where like the like I said the marketing is really amping up the fact that there was that pushback from the media against them. You you could argue that's what they wanted. <laughs> I that's what I was saying. I do think that that pushback is definitely like that's that part alone was probably the best thing that could have happened to them, but mm. then the tragic situation that delayed the movie definitely hurt it and then all this yeah. stuff going around at the same time is probably going to affect it quite a bit. S- especially because the El Paso shootings happened. It was like at short the same succession, time. right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like El Paso then and then Dayton. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Ready or Not because uh listeners if you remember that movie which is about Samara Weaving being hunted by rich people it's like nobody watched that and was like, this movie's disgusting against brides. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like, That's, you, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. It's pretty clear, like, oh, I don't want the the protagonist of the movie to be hunted. Uh it is yeah. it is kind of a silly thing. That's uh, exactly it. Yeah. This movie was also co-written by Damon Lindelof, and mm-hmm. it has it has a, a bigger cast. I don't want to mention a lot of them because I do think part of the fun of this movie is seeing familiar faces. And so we're going to leave that under a mystery for yeah. now. Uh, but then last uh, thing I is, will... uh... Oh yeah, you can go. Sorry. Oh no. Who, who's the person that, or, yeah, you can't say who it was. I but... wasn't necessarily going to mention a person. I was just going to say that this is probably one of the best movie trailers that I've ever seen Which in terms one? of how much it buries the lead. Honestly, any of them, like some okay. of them, I feel like it shows a little bit too much, but in terms of how a movie can like represent itself, like, yeah. If you watch the Invisible Man trailer, it's it gives you a pretty clear layout of what's going to happen in that movie. And then there's only a couple surprises. This, I feel like, does a pretty good job of like subverting what you're going to end up getting, you know, yeah. to some degree. Yeah. I was worried about that with the second trailer because because the first trailer yeah. is cut in a certain way that earned all the controversy. Right. Or earned, yes, that's probably not the best absolutely. Word. The second trailer, I was a little worried. It was like a course correction of like over explaining. But I was actually pleased. Yeah. I was like, oh, the movie's yeah. not really going that far. Absolutely. Forgot to mention Jason Bloom and Bloomhouse Productions did this movie mm-hmm. and mentioned The Purge. So <laughs> same yeah. same department. So you can sort of see the similar DNA there. Uh, but Will Ashton, William Please tell us what did you what did you think of the hunt? Uh, do you think uh, the the hunt like audiences should be hunting for disinfected theaters to watch this in? <laughs> um, not particularly, I guess. I mean, I think my main takeaway coming out of the theater seeing the film was that I wish it was like more uh, worthy of the controversy. Mm. In that, like, I felt like maybe the movie if it had something that I found more like shocking or something that could be warranting so much uproar. And like you said, like some of it could have just been the studio playing it up and obviously enjoying the like kind of uh, uproar that happened. But I don't know, I guess there's a lot that I do like in the film. Like I think Betty Guplin or Giplin or how do you pronounce her last name? 
Gilpin, Gilpin. Yeah. I thought she was great. From Glow. And yeah. I think she does a lot to um, really make this premise work. And I mm-hmm. think it helps with um, kind of giving some life. Like, I think her just giving like a steely eye gaze does more than like a lot of things in the script do as far as making this premise work. And um, I do really appreciate the film's kind of like uh, over the top violence and the sense of just like kind of really digging in some cases, just like going for it. But I guess for me, it just. I don't know. I guess I didn't really find it that surprising or particularly shocking in any particular way. And I also found that the movie's uh, portrayals of both the left and the right were so like outlandish over the top to the point where I found it more detrimental because they didn't really feel realistic or authentic to what was going on to the point where I didn't really feel the commentary added that much to what is being said right now in terms of politics. It just kind of didn't really, I feel like, serve much of a purpose other than kind of artlessly exploring things that are going on right now in a movie it's trying to talk about like the times in a way that i mean you know as a movie it, overall i thought it was fine i mm-hmm. think the ending did a lot to win me over but by and large i found it to just be kind of a shrug as far as these things are concerned hmm, interesting i uh in my letterbox review i said that this was like if joe biden produced a movie with the south park guys because <laughs> that's, that's fair it's it's very south park um, which is very much like both sides are, you know, ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. if you have any sort of extreme opinion on anything, that's centrist mentality, it's super centrist. Basically. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm a little split on that. On the one hand, sometimes I see a little bit of value in that. Other times I'm a little sick of it. It's like, I, it always feels like the person who's like always above the fray or trying to come off as above the fray ends up just being indecisive. And I don't know. I don't think this movie is the best selling persuasive argument for that philosophy uh Hmm. but amanda amanda the jedi what did you think of uh the hunt did you like this one uh i i did but again i think i'm actually pretty into these kind of um like violent action comedies so from that standpoint i feel like it, it delivers in a lot of good ways i thought there was a lot of really well shot out like fight scenes especially like the last one towards the end of the movie there was a lot of little moments i was like oh that was nice you know that was cool to watch uh in terms of like i, I kind of agree that it didn't necessarily say a lot on what it wanted to, what it was kind of addressing it just kind of put it out there i do like the idea of it just kind of being a call out on extremist behaviors in some way but i don't think it really goes far enough to kind of maybe address that issue until you kind of get down to some of those final moments and i don't really want to like spoil what happens but it just kind of deals with certain things about how like outrage culture and how people will just kind of like hone in on one particular person and then you might find out like weeks later it's all like you guys were all dogpiling on someone who had nothing to do with this situation so that's ridiculous so like there's little moments like that um obviously i I agree that like some of the stuff's like so cartoonish and how they're describing things but like you do encounter people that are like that some people are so like far one way that they almost start acting like caricatures but it always comes across as really kind of like cringy when you hear people use certain words and terminology in movies but i get i feel like it kind of worked in this because i i kind of agree with that like south park standpoint that it kind of feels it kind of feels like that um Mm. So, yeah, like I, it's not definitely not something that I'd be saying, you guys, you know what, you know, crisis be damned, illness be damned, get <laughs> out to a all. theater like this. is Yeah, like this is something that like if, if it hit, hits like a streaming service or you want to rent it like one night, like later down the road, like I it's, I don't think you'll not if you're into that style of movie, I don't think you you'll hate watching it. 
Uh, and I do think that it's like, I feel like there's enough in it that if you, whatever side you align on, you can probably laugh at yourself a little bit from some of the stuff that says, and I think it kind of did a good job calling out how some people say they're all for these certain causes and certain things up into the point that they feel like it's going to personally affect them. And then suddenly it's like, never mind, not that far. So, oh, it was cool. A cool movie. Yeah. I, here, here's where I'm at. Even though, as I said earlier, I think the politics can be a little limp, a little mm-hmm. like, eh, whatever. Like, this isn't really saying all that much. I actually, I was really into this, the first two thirds. This movie probably has one of my favorite second acts uh, of a lot of mm-hmm. films I've seen this year, weirdly enough. I thought, like, when the second act was happening, I was, especially once Betty Gilpin's character really comes into it. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is actually, like, I could see a movie like this being remembered for a while and people kind of looking back on it as, like, our version of, like, an exploitation film almost. Mm -hmm. And I think, though, I'm a little bit the opposite in terms of the ending. I did not like the ending very much at all. It almost kind of ruined the film for me a bit. I just sort of... I don't know. There was something about it where it felt anticlimactic, where I felt like there was it was sending off into something bigger and like a, a more bombastic resolution. And it again won't be spoiling anything, but it ends up being kind of a small scale thing. And I'm still wrapping my head around it. Like, yeah, maybe that's the point. Uh, maybe maybe my expectations got ahead of me, and a rewatch would allow me to appreciate it a little bit more on just a filmmaking level because the filmmaking is mm-hmm. really cool. Like, it's a really cool action scene. Uh, yeah, I when just, I'm talking about that, I mean literally yeah. like the shooting of the action scene was oh, really visually pleasing. Yeah, yeah, the camera does some really, uh, really cool stuff there. Like to the point where yeah. I was like, "What has Craig also done here?" Um, his yeah, exactly, is, just uh, fun things. Yeah, Darren Tiernan, who I'm not as familiar with, so yeah, it was, mm. that was a bit of a surprise. But yeah, and, uh, there's some other like filmmaking tricks that happen here, like sort of like a shuffling of protagonists that I think is really mm-hmm. satisfying. Yeah. It's it had so many like like little bait and switch moments and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, (laughs) so fun. Oh, yes. Uh, And like even though you kind of know some of it's coming, it's just it's just fun to watch. Uh, But there there is a lot of cringy dialogue here. Well, what did you you think of all that stuff? I know you and I you and I did we ever talk about how in like Knives Out, for example, there's like that one scene where there's like a kind of a political like like back and forth between a couple of the different family members and uh, one, of our, one of our friends and colleagues, Ryan Oliver, said that this movie was like, if that had happened for an entire movie. Uh, what, what do you think, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, like it kind of reminds me like when we were talking about um, Black Christmas from a few months ago. And oh, I felt no. like that movie was often like Harsh. saying what it wanted to say, as opposed to like really communicating uh, its message through its art. And that's kind of what I was going for when I felt like parts of this movie were kind of artless to me in that regard. Yeah. And that like it just felt like here's what we're trying to do and say and like thinking of like like because like Baron Holtz in this movie um like I, I thought about the oath as well and how that movie has somewhat similar problems but mm-hmm. I feel like that movie had like more genuine conversation like having the characters just like in this like uh nuclear environment where they just have to like kind of talk it out was like more uh interesting and comedically satisfying than like this where it's just like here's the over the top <laughs> right wing character and here's the over a top left wing character and like you know like just like trying to like ration everything out in such an even way to the point where like I do agree that like things now are just so ballooned over the top that's kind of hard to like be bigger than that and make something that's larger in life without like just popping at the seams but yeah I don't know just like to your earlier point um just the I don't know I mean it's not that it's bad writing to me it just seemed like 
it was often saying it's what I wanted to say as opposed to showing it in a way that felt satisfying and organic to me yeah. as far as the movie was concerned. Yeah, it definitely felt like they were purposely going over the top with it, though, because I feel like in a lot of I feel like in Black Christmas, that wasn't their intention. They were right. just bad at writing. I'm just going to be like, that's I think that's the worst of this situation. This, I think it was because they were purposely trying to make these people such like ridiculous caricatures that you couldn't believe they were real people. Right. But again, like maybe that's comedy. me giving them too much credit. But yeah, it's like comedy satire. And I'm not saying it's like the best satire, but if that's what they're going for, I can kind of understand why that's like the delivery method. But again, maybe I'm just giving them too much credit. But there, um, yeah, there, there's yeah. a. I think there's a valid reading of this film that is like, look at how funny it is when you take the sort of like liberal Hollywood caricatures that are sort of propped up by the right wing. And mm-hmm. when you actually take them to their like logical conclusion, you put it into a movie. It's it's kind of nonsense and it doesn't yeah. it just doesn't work. And like yeah, I think absolutely. that's why I was a little bit more favorable in the beginning of the film because I was like, oh, that's kind of that's just funny. Like that's just funny yeah. because this is sort of what, you know, very conservative people like fringe conservatives mostly will mm-hmm. re- say and believe about the other side. And you could easily like flip that and it would also mm-hmm. be kind of because you have a little bit of that with uh, just one of the hunted characters, a character named Gary. We won't say yeah. he was played by, but he get, he does some of that, too. But with the exception of him, like everybody else seems to just be kind of normal and kind of just like what's going on here. And mm-hmm. uh, do we agree on that, though? Do you think do you think the uh, the hunted characters are all sort of over the top or is it a mix? How did you interpret them? I mean, for me, it's like, I don't mind if they make fun of the left, but if they're going to do it, like, really go for it. Like, I mean, (laughs) for me, it just kind of felt like their characterizations of the left were just kind of fairly one note in a Mm -hmm. way that's like, yeah, it's it's fine. You know, it just kind of reminded me of that tweet that everyone dunks where it's just like the right are getting better at comedy and they're scared (laughs) or something. I kept thinking about that one day. We're trying to make fun of the left. And it's just like, yeah, like, like they got talented comedy actors in this to, you know, like, that probably help, you know, like Glenn Howerton and a few others that are playing these kind of over the top left mm-hmm. left wing people. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just like like it's saying, like, I mean, even beyond politics, it's just like if you're going to go for it, like really just go for it. In some respects, I do think it does that. But yeah. when it comes to its political interpretations, for me, just something felt lacking in that regard. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would say this definitely stands stronger as like the action thriller comedy style movie than it necessarily does as like. Making a statement like if we're talking even from like just like the social standpoint like parasites obviously a better movie dealing with like socioeconomic like statures and communities and stuff than this is trying to be because there's clearly like that's going on too. the liberals are all rich you know the the hunted are technically all just like regular folks so I'm assuming like mid to lower mid to lower like income ranges. Um, so like either you're going to find movies that detail this stuff better, but, and I do think that this really was banking on that controversy and it's not necessarily unwarranted because it was very interesting to see how many headlines were coming out against it when no one had seen it. And the trailer, in my opinion, countered pretty much everything that people were trying to say. And then the movie actually comes out and it's even like less so in that direction that people thought it was. So I don't know. I say it's worth the watch, but maybe not worth going to see it in a theater right now with like what's going on. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, in terms of this being like that action thriller type of movie, I think it's pretty satisfying, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's not it's not the best action you'll see the movies. I do think this thing does take some some bold swings. It's just 
yeah, it's not the greatest film in the world by any stretch, that's for sure. Let's uh, let's get into our final thoughts and grades, though. Uh, starting with you, Will Ashton. Uh, where, where did you land ultimately on this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm just kind of in the middle on it, ironically. <laughs> um, <laughs> ironically, yeah. It's like, like I said, like there's stuff in it. Like I do enjoy the action. I did like, um, I don't, I don't know if we can reveal who it is, but she's in the trailer. Um, and a, a prominent actress that comes in the third act. I thought she really got the tone right in a way that I thought helped, uh, buoyant up the movie, especially given Betty Gilpin's strong performance throughout. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I enjoy kind of over the top goofy violence like this. This is the type of genre that I tend to like traditionally, mm-hmm. but. Ultimately, yeah, like like I said, I mean, I wish the I wish the satire was stronger, and I wish I got more out of it, either in terms of entertainment value or comedy or what have you, because mm. like I mean, at the end of the day, like I, a po- film's politics doesn't completely sway me one way or the other. Like a movie, like we mentioned, Black Christmas, I agree with its politics, but I don't like the film. Versus like Dragged Across Concrete, which is a film I don't agree with politically, but it's, I, I think it's one of the best films of last year. This I'm just like, you know, some parts of it I agree with, some I don't. But as a film, I think, ironically and fittingly, it's just kind of in the middle. So for me, I'd give it a low C+. Okay. Well, what I'm hearing from you, loud and clear, is that we need to make our own film that makes fun of the left. (laughs) And we're going to do it way better. We're going to really come after. (laughs) Uh, I mean, if they're going to go for it, go for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Amanda the Jedi. Uh, what about you? Now, we, we do like letter grades, but if you want to do letterboxed grades or any, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Yeah. So my letterbox is a th- I have a three, three out of five, which I think works out to being a B, I guess. I think. It did, yeah. It's like a range. Yeah. It could be B, B minus. Yes. Yeah. So like, and that's like, I think that's pretty safe. I had a, I personally had a really good time watching it. Um, I do think that it could have gone like further in either way. And there was, you could definitely tell that they basically probably had like a little piece of paper that they were like, okay, that's one, that's one for the conservatives. We need one for the liberals guys. Like, can anybody think of a joke? You know, like, and then I, you yeah. know that they were probably working that out in the editing room too, being like, oh, we cut mm-hmm. that one. We got to either bring yeah. something else back in or cut something else over here. Like, just you know stuff like that but uh i had a i had a good time watching it personally and uh yeah yeah i i definitely got the impression like it, they claim that they didn't reshoot anything but i think they cut stuff out uh it seems that way hmm. well i will say uh just real quick i do like the movie's 89 minutes long just in and out yeah, really yeah it's pretty mm-hmm. lean yeah, it's, yeah it doesn't uh it doesn't overextend never its felt bored <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I feel like I need to say. Like, I never felt bored watching this movie. Nothing drags. And, you know, I feel it doesn't. Mm. But it's not just like nonstop action to the point that you're just like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. Like, it gives you breathing moments right. before it kind of picks up again. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. never been less bored by a retelling of the tortoise and the hare. I'll go that far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Uh, I, I'm yeah. a pretty high B minus. And I, I was like B, B plus or the whole thing. I was really into it. I, I guess I just felt a little let down by the very end. I don't know. I, there was something about it where I was like, that's it. I thought there was going to be more, but uh, I guess mm. the film left me wanting. So that's not a bad thing overall. And I do like the very end. Very end is a very fun scene. And I like uh, that. Yeah. Uh, this film has a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 145 reviews, which is honestly a little higher than I thought it would get. Uh, considering all this stuff but uh mm-hmm. box office wise it it only costs 14 million to make that's like double what blumhouse usually spends uh but it's only made 6.5 million at the box office this weekend now all things considered that's not very bad but considering like the next few weeks 
some movie theaters might shut down. This movie just yeah. might end up not making money. Kind of outside yeah, I would have expected this to make a lot more personally because like Fantasy Island obviously made bank. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the higher cost Blumhouse productions because they had to rent out a yacht to get them to the island. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I honestly expected this to make more money, and I think if it had come out when it was originally supposed to, it would have. It probably would have made at least double. Like this seems like a twelve to seventeen million opening weekend kind of film. Yeah, but, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I think that everything going on really stifled this. Like I saw this. To be fair, it was Friday afternoon, but for a new movie on a Friday afternoon, there was only like three other people in the theater with me. Like that's pretty pretty low for a new movie. My theater was relatively. Not full, but like half full, Okay, which I was surprised. This was on a Saturday. I tried to see the film on a Friday, but I had to leave Mm -hmm. early. So I actually went and I resaw it. My screening of it was canceled. So I don't know how many people went to that. That was on Tuesday. Yeah. And yeah, by the time on Saturday, people were there and I was a little, I was shocked. I was like, wait, what? We're all supposed to be home. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. And uh, the cinema score. Do you want to guess what the cinema score is? I was kind of, I don't know if I was surprised, but. I'm a little surprised. Who has a good guess? Um, B minus? Close to C plus. C plus. Yeah, which feels kind of nice. low. I don't know. I thought this film was kind of- feels kinda, a little low. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it didn't, it seems so both sides I was like, ah, I could see people kind of putting their own politics into this movie no matter what, you know, where they're at. But oh, well, I guess that's yeah. not the case for some people. So, all right, that is The Hunt. Let's talk about our next film- uh, no, no less for controversy is the new action yeah. comedy Guns Akimbo, which was written and directed by a real piece of yeah, uh, named Jason bit. Lee yeah. Howden. And I, I know what you're thinking, John, that's pretty harsh and you're usually <laughs> very nice. Uh, but this person came after one of my really good friends who's been on this show. Oh, wow. Uh, Val Complex. And I didn't so know she'd been on the show. She has been on the show. She and I go back quite a few years now, and this person targeted and harassed her, and we're going to talk about it, because that's the kind of episode this is. Uh, this movie stars Daniel Radcliffe, Samara Weaving, Natasha Leobardizzo, and plenty others. Uh, it premiered mm-hmm. the Toronto International Film Festival, mentioned earlier this past September, mm-hmm. which is where I think, Amanda, you said you saw it. Yeah, that's where I saw it, with a Q&A from the director himself. Ah, fascinating. Okay. And uh, Will Ashton, you have seen this as well. I'm the only one who has not seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see it. I don't want to see it at this point for reasons that apparently mm-hmm. are now obvious. Uh, but uh, this is another let's have Amanda explain the controversy. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry we're pigeonholing you. but No, uh, it's please. fine. Yeah, I have a video about this as well on my channel. Um Big thing here is that uh, Jason Lee Howden's a pretty opinionated guy. Uh, I didn't realize how much so until a lot of this started swarming and then some of the past stories popped up. But big thing here was that um, I don't want to go into too many of the pre-details because there's a lot of nuance around this other situation. But essentially, um, somebody who was the chief editor at uh, Much Ado About Cinema uh, basically had an old text message leak where she used a slur tried to deny first she said it was fabricated then ultimately was all like i'm sorry i posted this Uh, people were not really happy with the apology there were a lot of really terrible people dogpiling on her and coming at her really horrendously but there were a lot of people just trying to have genuine conversations about you know what what how do you come back from this who like what can you demand for like apology and do people have to forgive you different things like that just people trying to have constructive conversations about it 
Um, and then, but she had been pretty open with the fact that she had had some mental health issues and then, uh, ended up having to go to the hospital after she, uh, she self-harmed, self-harmed. Uh, so then, you know, enter Jason Lee Howden onto the scene and, you know, first off he's talking pretty demon, like, you know, like he's basically was going at people saying like anybody like, you know, screw all these internet trolls that are just dogpiling on people and all of this other stuff. Uh, I have all like the tweet in my video. I have all the tweets and stuff. So if you're interested, you can go watch that. But uh, he essentially started targeting all of the writers that left much ado about cinema because they no longer felt comfortable working for the publication. Some people had alluded to other situations with this person contributing to why they were leaving. He was basically trying to say that they contributed to this person trying to commit suicide just because they made a choice to step away from the publication. Eventually, people were like, you just added a bunch of writers who are making personal choices and getting new people to go hate them because you're essentially implying that they were bullying this person when all they did was say, I don't want to be a part of the situation anymore. So these are people that have given up jobs, given up their foothold in an industry that's very hard to get into because they just didn't feel comfortable being there anymore. So he said, I'm going to delete those names, still think they're pieces of shit, but now there's these two people that are trying that should be charged with attempted murder. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he had. Yeah. So he had linked Valerie Complex and another writer uh, who goes by the name Dark, Dark Lady Sky or Dark Sky yeah. Lady. I think a Dark Sky Lady. Um, and then started going at them when they were not remotely involved in the original situation. They had not added to that conversation yep. until weren't after even all online. the main events. Weren't yeah. even online. Nothing to do with uh, it. And then, yeah, Dark's, Dark, uh, Dark Sky Ladies article, literally it was only jumped into the situation after Jason Lee Howden got involved in, and their article had more to do with him than it did that original situation. And he wouldn't apologize. He wouldn't back down from it. Didn't matter how many people showed like they are not involved in any of this. Why do you keep attacking them? And he just wouldn't let up. And then he ended up uh, locking his own account deleting his own account but then he started going after people with the guns akimbo account oh gosh, until eventually yeah. just goes radio silent most of the tweets from the guns akimbo account ended up getting deleted obviously because you're using your movies platform to 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 bully people literally so like the whole thing is jason lee howden is trying to stop internet bullying by internet bullying so and i think he he also created like a burner account called uh yeah f journos or something like that i don't or, know if that was it's a him. rumor it's a room. I feel like it hit up at first. I thought this this could be him. But then it kind of got to a point where it went so far off the wall where it was using so many different racial slurs. And I'm like, if this is him, that's a yes. lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So I'm really hoping that wasn't him because it got go. bad. That account yeah. got really, really bad. Um, there, there were some people who were like they claimed like there's it seemed like there was some evidence around it. But yeah, for sure. We don't know. But yeah, regardless, he should not have been tweeting <laughs> at any no. point in this entire up and yeah. you know, except for the part where he was like, don't believe people. Uh, which yeah, that's sense. fine. Um, but like the fact that he, he kept and the big thing is to really stress is that the people that he was largely going after did not have anything to do with that dog pile or were literally not involved in the situation at all, which right. was when he redirected his attention to Valerie and um, Dark Dark Sky Lady. That's when it went into a realm that it was like, you are. I don't know what you're doing right now, but like you need to stop. Yeah. And so for obvious reasons, like all of this was like going on when this was coming out. I think it was released mm -hmm. by Saban Films. And this yeah. was like toward the end of February. And we just never got to talking about it because A, I hadn't seen it yet. And B, all this controversy was going on. And I just didn't, you know, I, I just didn't even want to breathe any air into 
this film whatsoever. But at this point, um, I do want to hear about the film itself because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious and other people worked on it. It wasn't just Jason Lee Haddon. There's a lot of other people who put their heart and soul into this movie um, from mm-hmm. the producers to the actors to the cinematographer, Stefan Chepek and uh, Ennis Rothoff, who did the music. I mean, there's other people involved here, a lot of production companies. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it is playing, I think, still. It just came out in New Zealand. Um, I don't think you can really find it anywhere else in the U.S. at this point. I think it's VOD. Is it VOD too? VOD. Okay. So I think. Technically, you could watch it. Uh, and it's pretty mm-hmm. short, right? Well, it's like only like an hour and a half, like yeah. something like that. So yeah. we'll drive us through what is this film about? And we'll, we'll have a just a conversation about the film um, uh, as you see fit. Um, yeah, so the movie itself is an action comedy, um, kind of in the vein of like a movie like Gamer or um, there's another example. It's I'm blanking on it right now. But um, basically, we have uh, a guy who lives in a somewhat alternate reality from us, but not too far from us named Miles, who's played by Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, he is a mild mannered programmer for a video game company. Um, he does a lot of like, um, troll weeding through his company (laughs) and just basically has a very active online life, but his personal life, there's not much going on there. There's, uh, he had a relationship with this woman, but it's kind of fickled out. And, uh, one night when he is going at it with some trolls, uh, he upsets the wrong people. He, uh, gets like knocked out. They bolt guns to his hands and they say that he's involved with this game called shazam where basically his life is Isn't on the line schism? and he has to sorry sorry you're right yes yeah, schism sorry um <laughs> i was I gonna say, say zachary levi's not in <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i'm sorry yeah <laughs> nice uh, try uh, mixing up my verbs uh yeah so sh- uh schism schism like, yeah i think it's schism i'm never gonna be good at pronouncing names no, it's fine. <laughs> well, it's, yeah it's literally the word know, schism yeah. like to divide but with a z yeah, yeah. right all right yeah and basically he has to kill this longtime gamer uh, played by Samara Weaving. And from there, it's just like kind of like a cat and mouse game where they have to constantly go back and forth. He's just trying to save his life. Basically, at this point, he doesn't want to kill anybody. <laughs> but uh, in the process, he kind of gets emboldened and he kind of learns a few things as well, as you imagine. Um, as far as the film itself, like you said, um, trying to remove it from the controversy, which I mean, obviously... I don't condone it. I find the whole situation just very disappointing. And I didn't even realize the full extent of it until he broke it down, Amanda. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it just was, yeah, just I really was bummed about this whole situation. I just, I mean, all I can say is if you have a movie coming out a week in, in advance, just maybe just stay off Twitter. Yeah. At, oh, at the very least. Because he's, he's pretty Trank bad. Is, uh, Josh Trank is Skyping in, everyone. I think he has something to say about this. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hey, say, Josh, yeah, how are you doing? Example. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Uh, do you have another uh, review of your own movie on Letterboxd? Tell us all about it. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he's pretty bad with Twitter behavior, actually, because he had done this back in 2016 with his uh, movie Deathgasm. He had been clearly looking up. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was clearly looking up re- like what people were saying about it on Twitter. And one site was just like, too many dick, jo- dick jokes in this movie. And he literally went like, dick jokes are the foundation of comedy. You're just not very fun. Mm. And just went back and forth yeah. with these people. And I'm like, my dude. Yeah. Dick jokes right. are not the hill to die on. Yeah. I know you really like Deathgasm. Right. right. So I know it's disappointing. Yeah. I was just about to say, yeah, I mean, 
that was the main reason I was interested in this film and why I was eager to check it out. And I, it was playing in our theater. So that's how I got a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's uh, just very disappointing all around. Like I said, and I also feel like that undermines the intended message here, the film, which kind of deals into like, you know, like learning to be a better person, stuff like that, which feels a lot more disingenuous part. given, given these circumstances, which I think does ultimately sour the film in certain respects. Mm-hmm. However, um, there's a lot of things about this film that are flawed as hell just beyond that. And a lot of things I think people have already criticized the film for, but for me, I don't know. I, I had a fun time watching it and I guess maybe it was just cause I wasn't expecting to, <laughs> or maybe just because I just have that relationship with the filmmaker where I like his previous films. But, um, I just found it to be enjoyably slight in a way that obviously it's very dumb. And if you even try to make mental gymnastics of the logic of the world, you're, uh, doing a losing battle because it just isn't going to make any sense. But um, I think what really makes it work for me is the are the two central performances from Daniel Radcliffe and Samar Weaving, who are both just really just going out there and doing some really fun kooky things right now. Yeah, um, they're my they're my mm-hmm. favorite royal couple, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, I would say if you if you do check it out, John, I would say for them mainly because I think their performances are very good in this. And they do, like we were talking about earlier, have some very cringy dialogue, which I think is ultimately disappointing as well. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm here for that. I think their performances really just show. Well, so you know, I'm here for cringy dialogue. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I would just say that, like, I think it's a very flawed film. Like, I understand why people are boycotting it. I I don't think it's one that I'm gonna fully support in any respect, but. Mm-hmm. Seeing it on Super Tuesday when I just wanted to get my mind off of things and enjoy myself in a movie theater for an hour and a half, it succeeded in that regard. So for that, I mean, I had fun time. All right. Um, Amanda, I obviously want to hear what you think of the film, because again, I haven't seen it. But so far, Will's compared it to Gamer, which is one of my least, like, mm-hmm. to me, that was one of the worst experiences I ever had in movie theater. So I'm <laughs> yeah, not that was sold. rough. That's a awful yeah. movie. I mean, it's for this. I know. You're yeah, just talking I mean, about the premise, the not the quality. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Uh, I had fun with this. So I, this was one of the ones. So when I went to TIFF, uh, I got like 10 free tickets I could use on whatever I wanted, plus my press badge. So this was one of the ones I actually went out of the way to like get a ticket for. Because like, because obviously, if you guys aren't, don't even know what we're talking about, if you can remember when Daniel, there was like pictures of Daniel Radcliffe in the bathrobe and oh, the yeah. giant fuzzy tiger slippers <laughs> with the guns in his hands. That's what this is from. And those yeah. leaked like years ago. So people, I was like really excited mm-hmm. for this. Um. And it was fun. Like, I, it's one of those movies I'm watching and I'm like, I can understand a lot of people are going to hate this, uh, but it, it's just kind of fun and over the top. And as long as you can kind of accept that for what it is, like, I think you can have a good time watching it. But like, um, it's, I don't think there's anything necessarily groundbreaking about it. And again, it's kind of hard to like look at a lot of the stuff in the same way once you know kind of more about what uh, Jason's done recently. But at the time, uh, none of that was there. And it was just, you know, I had I had fun watching it. Um I think, um, obviously, I think when I watched it, I kind of got vibes from like, not thematic, not like tonally, but like Scott Pilgrim in a way, just because of like all the on screen editing and okay. like the video game See? stuff kind of yeah, popping yeah. up. Definitely take not notes, as good. Will. Yeah, not yet yeah, taking notes, but like Edgar Wright's still the king of that, in my opinion. And then it's kind of vibrant and violent in a way similar to like kick ass. So it's kind of had that right. feel. And then I know a lot of people in my screening said it reminded them of Running Man. Like, that was a thing. Somebody, like, the first oh, yeah. question was, like, yo, is this, is this based on Running Man? Um, so, like, that was all pretty pretty good. Um, but, again, it's kind of just one of these things that now at this point, 
I'm always like, did he kind of write himself into the Miles character because he sees himself in that? Or was that completely unintentional? Uh, so Miles is like the main character. Um, you know, I remember enjoying it. Like it was a, it was a fun time. Uh, but uh, it's there's just this is one of those ones that certain people are going to like there's certain jokes and certain moments that go a little bit too far. And I can understand why uh, the some of the villains are very like cartoony and over the top. And you don't know if it's because their brains are just completely warped from whatever drugs they might be doing. But mm -hmm. yeah, here here's what I'm curious about, though, because I love video games. And mm -hmm. um, Amanda, do you like video games? I do. Yeah. Will Ashton does not like video games. Um, the last video That's game he fun. played was Mario Party. Mario Sorry, you will, you don't like a lot of video games. Two. You like two of them. <laughs> two. Mario Party 2, John. Gotta get it Mario right. Party 2. Damn. There's so, been like nine of them bitches since then. Yeah. yeah. But so, Will, as yeah. a non-gamer, and we support your choices, obviously, how how does this movie come it across doesn't sound like you? It, but It doesn't sound like it because it's probably a lie. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm trying my best <laughs> yeah. to meet you in the middle. Uh, but no seriously like sure i get you yeah i'm just curious like coming into this movie as somebody who you know this is supposed to be a satire gamer culture right so like how did how did you mm -hmm. receive the film in that way like were you able to like bite into it you think in the same level that other people who are more ingrained in that culture would be yeah i mean i guess for me it wasn't really looking at it in that regard like i was seeing it as like another kind of flamboyant over the top like action comedy in the vein of like uh crank mm -hmm. or shoot him up or even wanted to a certain respect yeah like i was looking at kind of through that vein um and i think in that regard it succeeds but mm -hmm. i mean as a video game commentary or satire i didn't really get a lot out of it in that regard and i don't think i it's didn't really get that talking impression. too much about video games yeah, yeah i think it's more of just like internet culture in general and like right, internet bravery okay because you, you remember the movie mm -hmm. nerve yeah, that with yeah. It, where they had to like vote on things you could do. That's kind of what yeah. it is. It's like in, it's like courage. Right. You have all this like keyboard warrior courage, and you're just mm -hmm. telling people to do things or saying things to people because you never actually have to address the fact that right. that's an actual human being. I think it says way yeah, more about that. It's just one. that the yeah, it's just the way the game, the way it's all playing out, is stylistically and visually kind of like a video game being played in real life, where there's like points and you've got like bullet counters and stuff going off yeah. and, and stuff like that. Like it feels like a virtual reality game, but it, mm -hmm. it, I don't think it's yeah. yeah. By mentioning Nerve, I think this is th this is easily the first time Emma Roberts has been brought, or like two <laughs> movies with Emma Roberts in it have been brought up on this podcast. I think that <laughs> Same is a new podcast, record. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <Will>. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, I think that's why the Scott Pilgrim comparison is pretty good, because like that's yeah. like a film where it's just like looking at romantic comedy through the lens of like an 80s video game and just kind mm -hmm. of imagining like how to deal with like someone's baggage in that regard. And yeah, like this movie is just that's like a means to an end. Like it's not really like commenting on the game culture so much, like you said, as Internet trolling and stuff like that, which given recent events uh, it rings a bit sour. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, then what are your what are your final thoughts and grades starting with you, Amanda? Uh yeah, final like it is. It's like an over the top action thriller comedy type thing. Stuff some stuff's just gonna go a little bit too far. As I would also probably say about the hunt. I think there's some things in that that some people are just gonna like shy away from. Like there's a hot dog scene in this movie that's just gross for like no reason. Like it yeah. just I'm like why did this need to be included? But you know just little things like that. He apparently there's just certain types of jokes he really likes. Um, I've actually, other than him, I thought that the marketing around this movie was kind of annoying, like how they were getting certain characters to yeah. take over the Twitter. I'm like, that's really cringy. And like, I don't mm. like this at all. And I saw this movie and didn't hate it, but this would make me not want to watch this movie. Huh. Um, the idea of it or the execution of it? 
the execution. Well, it was he be like, yo, this is blah, blah. I can't remember the the uh, guy's name anymore, but the the bad guy. He's like, this is blah blah blah, and I'm coming here and I'm gonna like <laughs> this is your mom and take over everything. <laughs> like it was kind of like that, that yeah. is how it how it felt. Yeah. But obviously, that's all just been overshadowed by everything else that's going on here. Uh, I think right. when I originally walked out, I gave it like a three and a half out of five, but that was being generous because I was like, I, I like this was kind of fun. I kind of like the message it has. I like Daniel Radcliffe. The picture was funny. And now I'm like, now that I don't feel like I have to do the director a solid, I bumped it down to a three, which I think is more realistic for where it belongs. And I could easily see why people would rate it lower than that. I can see why some people would rate it higher than that. So I'm giving it like a, I'm going to, I'm going to say like a C plus or a B minus is where I'm landing on it. All right, we're getting her onto the the letter grades. Will one movie at a time? We're trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Will Ashen, what say you? Yeah, I'm not too far off from that. I'd, I'd give it a B minus. I think, like you said, mm. I mean, it has a lot of flaws. Like, there's a lot of things I just, I mean, given certain certain events are surrounding the film, it obviously doesn't really work in certain respects, and it's hard to not get your mind on take your mind off of that. But yeah, um, if you're able to uh, take that out of consideration or if you plan to boycott the film also i understand but mm-hmm. if you want to go into this just seeing it as like goofy fun stupid action comedy that uh is consistently pretty entertaining and well-paced and has another just bonkers performance from danny radcliffe as well as another <laughs> uh star worthy performance from smart weaving i really think she's going to be like an a list she's so someday. good like she just has she's, she's on the yeah way. she's yeah. very good i like her a lot yeah um if you just want to see in that regard for that i think you'll have a fun time and that's why i had so I'd give it, yeah, a solid B minus in that regard. All right. Similar to The Hunt, this is a 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, not too far away from that movie, but mm-hmm. only out of 46 reviews, so very different um, review-wise. <laughs> and it's only made $371,000 at the box office. None of that is domestic. So I looked it up while you were talking the movie, and it looks like it never really got its American release because there's no theater numbers at all. Yeah, I think they might have canceled some of the North American releases on it because I know people who had tickets and then they were suddenly gone. And I know in Canada, it like the movie just disappeared from the Cineplex website. So my theater never got it. But I was like, we don't really get a lot of the smaller stuff. But I don't know if they purposely pulled it. But I haven't seen anything about it out here in the Bay Area. So that's a seems like a, a good assumption to make. But that is Guns Akimbo. Let's move on to a film that's uh probably way more violent it's called i still believe which is a christian romantic drama spiritually violent come on um (laughs) this is this is uh the latest story (laughs) um the latest jeremy camp movie we've gotten so many um it's not pure flicks but it's like this it's pure flicks light basically uh this is from Lionsgate. And if you're unaware of Jeremy Camp, uh, he is a very prominent, well-known Christian singer-songwriter, kind of in the contemporary vein out here in the States. Uh, This film is a romantic film about him and somebody else. I don't know if she's his wife, his girlfriend. I don't really know a lot of this story. I have not seen the movie. Will Ashton saw the movie, so Amanda and I did not have to. It was directed by the Irwin Brothers, and it stars our favorite CW sex fiend. Archie, baby. Archie's here, and he's got a song for us all. Uh, KJ Oppa, <laughs> of course, plays him. Britt Robertson, who I will never, ever turn my back on because Britt Robertson, <laughs> she, she's great. 
She yeah. she is so much better than the movies, most of the movies that she has been in. Shania Twain is also in this for some reason. Gary, what? <laughs> I I'm just I don't I don't <laughs> How know. How did this I miss very... that? Yeah. Um, also, she, look at her. Um, there she is. I think KG Alpa and uh, Britt Roberts are dating in real life. I don't know if it's after this they movie or they're just were dating and then uh, they got this movie deal. But I know they're a couple. <laughs> they're like a thing in real life. Um, I those two kids, they can uh, <laughs> they can do anything as long as they're they're in it together. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I sort of alluded to this. You know, it's like yeah, like walk to remember or and a lot of don't like Nicholas Sparks things, right? <laughs> Well, you know how Walk to Remember has a little bit of like a Christian slant to yeah, it, but it it's totally really does. That's all yeah. I'm getting at. I, I support Walk to Remember fandom. That's there for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, Will Ashton, what is this movie about and uh, why should we see it or not see it? Yeah. So um, I think you mentioned this before, but it's the real life story of Jeremy Camp. I believe it's based on his autobiography of the same name. There's a um, song. Yeah. It's, it's just called basic- I Still Believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it follows his earlier days when he's like in a, a Christian college. He's kind of coming up in the music scene. He has a friendship with this other well-to-do uh, Christian rock musician. And that's somehow and in a way, that's how he gets connected to uh, Brett Robertson's character, who uh, they have this kind of will they won't they relationship for like the first act of the movie or so. And then things, unfortunately, take a turn where she's diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And they have they're still together as a couple, but uh, obviously that takes a toll on their lives and their relationship and and uh, things certainly uh, test their faith and all that regard. And for me, it, it wasn't really on my radar. This movie, I only saw it because, well, I saw I had a screening before everything went down with the coronavirus and my sister was like, hey, I want to see this movie. So I'm like, OK, we'll go see it. Um, and I will say, I mean, like I said, not really a fan of these things not against them by nature just i i'm not really that audience and i i respect that and it's just like you can Same. have movies like this if it makes you feel good yeah. doesn't hurt anybody don't uh, have fun well, um well, well i though, forget because i i don't i don't remember you ever talking about this did you ever see i can only imagine a couple years ago i have not because this no. is the last one the Irwin brothers did with Lionsgate. that movie was really successful and uh, right. they, so the Irwin brothers founded uh, Kingdom Story Company, and this okay. is their first film coming out of that because of that success, right? So that was a biopic mm-hmm. about the band Mercy mm-hmm. Me, which uh, for those of you who don't know, that's like, you know, the Jeremy Camp universe of like m- Christian music. <laughs> and apparently they all were involved in the making of this movie. JCU. <laughs> there you go. It's Jesus Christ. Just universe. wait until, <laughs> just wait until yeah. you see Camp Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go directed by Revelations. james Gunn, <laughs> yeah no i mean as a film itself um i thought you know it was better than i anticipated and that's maybe just because i had fairly mild expectations going in but i will say i mean as you expect a lot of this is kind of clunky it's it's a little over the top it definitely leans into melodrama fairly easily but there is something very earnest and sincere about the on-screen relationship between uh, KJ Appa and Britt Robertson. I think it's mostly Britt Robertson doing the heavy lifting because, like we said, she is a tremendous actress. I think she hasn't fully gotten her due yet. And I think KJ Appa is fine. Like, I've only really seen him in one other thing, I think, which was the dog movie, Dog's Purpose, I think. Oh, which God, I he's in that, too? Well. You're not a Riverdale fan? Uh, 
I haven't watched Riverdale. <laughs> Not yet. But uh, w- uh, what about, uh, do you ever see the one, uh, Our Last Summer, or The Last Summer on Netflix? That was just me. No, that was a Netflix Oh, yeah, thing, right? I saw that. I actually didn't hate that oh. movie, if I'm being honest, for like a Netflix film. I, uh, I I got a little silly with my review for that one. I literally <laughs> just rewrote the lyrics oh, yeah. of the ABBA song, uh, our, I Can Still Recall Our Last Summer. Amazing. And uh, that was my review. And Perfect. I, whatever. Oh, wait, I did see... I, I saw the hate you give. He was in that. Oh so, yeah, he was. I think in I've that, seen two he? things with him. Yeah, because I remember, I remember we had this conversation where I thought he was like twenty five, and I was like, <laughs> why'd they cast like a twenty five year old to be a high schooler? And you're like, no, he's twenty one. <laughs> so so su- uh, such difference. Yeah, such a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no. no, but I mean, like, he just I don't know. Like that's no, the I thing. Like, I mean, not to not to disparage anyone's looks, but he he if doesn't you told look young. Me, like one person. One person in this movie is 22 and one person is 29. I would have guessed wrong. <laughs> like I would have thought yeah. Britt Robertson was 22 and he was 29. Absolutely. Um, so Britt yeah. Robertson's 29. I mean, 29. Good shit, Britt. Yeah. She get me her skin yeah. regimen. So uh, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, I think their relationship does a lot. I mean, their on-screen relationship does a lot. Their chemistry. They have a natural rapport. I guess obviously, giving that they're dating in real life. I think. Gives this film mm-hmm. a sense of genuineness and sincerity that helps the emotional moments. And I also thought, like, even though, again, like the Christian rock scene is something I know next to nothing about, the music in this film was better than I anticipated. And I mean, you know, I mean, just coming in, not a music critic or anything, just like I was expecting to be worse. I guess no offense to Jeremy Camp. I really know nothing about him before this. So uh, I thought, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Like, it's a film that I think the audience that is coming into this knows what it's going to be. I think they're probably already familiar with the story as opposed to where I came into it. So uh, I think they'll get what they want. I don't know. Well, cause you know, you know, my story, I, I grew up in Virginia. Like I grew up in this, this world of Jeremy yeah. camps and mercy me's. And I didn't know this story. Like I was literally like in this world when this stuff hmm. was happening. I had no idea. So I, I didn't know, know he was a real person. Audience Cause yeah, it doesn't sound like a real name. I, mean, I couldn't make it through the trailer though. I was like watching it, and I was like, "Can't do it." Yeah, I'm gonna go get some skittles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, um, it sounds like yeah, you're I mean, leading this all up to an A minus. Will, <laughs> if only. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, like looking at films like God's Not Dead and a few others, like Pure Flix wise, I don't think this is Pure Flix, like you said. So having that be kind of like the barometer for what I tend to expect from these kind of films, this one exceeds that, but I can't really recommend it in full. But like I said, I mean, I think there's an audience for this, Um, you know, given the circumstances that are happening outside the world right now, I don't think there's going to be like a huge turnout and that's understandable, but yeah, if they do end up seeing it either through streaming or what have you, I think they'll be pleased for me. It was just kind of fine. Like I wasn't mad. I saw it. My sister liked it. That's what count. Um, so for me, yeah, it's a C plus. It's another C plus for me. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of the road with a lot of my reviews this week, but yeah, it's, it's fine. That's really where I stand on it. Like I, I'm not mad. I saw it and I think it really just showcased for me that Britt Robertson's the real deal. And I'm kind of bummed she's not in more movies cause I think she is a great talent, but otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I don't imagine either of you going to end up seeing it at some point and I don't blame you for not checking it out. I think there's more important things going on right now. And that's fine. But if you do end up seeing it, I don't think you'll hate it either. So that's where I am. Solid. 
All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, as you sort of uh, sort of mentioned there, the uh, the release of it, has, it didn't make a ton of money or anything. It made $9.5 million, which I believe was a lot lower than I can only imagine did. Uh, because, yeah, that audience is there. And I think you make it sound almost like, you know, move over elevated horror. This is elevated faith drama, like that kind <laughs> of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it'll still, it'll still be a, a bit of a hit assuming, cause like, I mean, this movie, it's, uh, the first feature length film that is faith-based to be released on IMAX. So like they clearly yeah. had huge what? expectations for this. Yeah, they true. really did. Well, they got KJ Appa. Like they were yeah. ready for the teen market for this. They weren't backing down. Why do you think your sister wanted to see it? Uh, I guess so. But I just like having seen the film. I don't know how it'd be benefited from an IMAX. Like even Dolby makes sense to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, music. they were like, they were complaining IMAX? about that. People they were just like, see yeah, Archie, because they they just boosted it. They didn't film it in IMAX or anything. Obviously, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I mean, given current events i don't think people feel should feel pressure to go to theaters right now but i I can't if you do end up seeing i still believe i don't think you need to spend the extra four bucks or whatever for imax on this (laughs) i'll watch it on crackle uh yeah so that's i think that's that's the way to go yeah yeah. uh 43 percent on rotten tomatoes based on 28 reviews because a lot of screenings must have been canceled for obvious reasons however the cinema score highest We've talked about yet on this really? episode. A A cinema score. What do you? What? what? This, I haven't this even audience seen it, and I'm here. offended. <laughs> I'm, so I'm sorry becoming a Satanist just because of that cinema score. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I think that makes sense given yeah. that the audience that are coming to this, they know what they want. I think that's right. what they get, and that's fine. Right. Good call. So, exactly. That makes sense. I think that's the case. All right. Well, that is I Still Believe. Let's finish out with our last review of the week. And that is Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I talked about this film during our Sundance recap, Mm -hmm. but it's now getting a more limited release. I think it's kind of unclear how many theaters it's in at the moment. But yeah, this is the week that it was going to be expanding, which is great to see because I maintain I think it is easily one of the best films of the year, easily in my top five right now. And this was written and directed by Eliza Hittman. It stars Sydney Flanagan, who uh, I believe is personal friends with Eliza Hittman, actually. Yeah, and, she. Uh, I think she's specific. Sorry, just to cut you off, but yeah. just a cool side story. She. I think they met when Sydney was fit, like fourteen, and yeah, she was like, yeah. "I have a story for you, but we need to wait, to wait a few years. We have to yeah. wait until you're a little older." So which is cool. really cool. Uh, Talia Ryder is also in this film, and Sharon Van Etten. And uh, like I said, yeah, it, it it's only been out for a little while um, since it came out at Sundance back in January. And uh, but it also played at the Berlin International Film Festival. Mm. So it's been getting a little bit more recognition at the festival circuit. It won the Silver Bear Grand Jury Prize. Uh, this is Focus Features. And I said it not too long ago on the show that I just think Focus Features is killing it lately. Mm-hmm. They, they are just putting out great film after great film. Uh, the story is uh, the movie is really when you just. Break it down. It's about a young teenage girl who decides that she wants to terminate her pregnancy. And she finds that living in Pennsylvania, it's really hard for her to do that. And the film kind of shows you why it's so hard, the hoops that she has to go through. And the movie eventually takes her to New York City with her cousin, played by Talia Ryder. And they have to go on this this odyssey in order for Mm -hmm. her to find 
um, this it feels like to her like an escape from something that she needs to resolve as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And very tense film. I've talked about it quite a bit, but now we have Amanda. And Amanda, you saw the film, and so we I don't did. know your opinion yet. So yeah. um, what did you think of Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always? And what were some of the things about the film? Because I just did a really brief synopsis. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things about the story that really stuck out to you? Uh, it's It's just really beautifully handled in how just kind of brutal and honest it is like it doesn't have any tricks up its sleeve other than just showing you step by step the process that somebody would have to go through to do this especially if they didn't have enough money to to care for themselves so like they don't have enough money to stay anywhere as well they're getting this done in new york so they're like finding out how can we survive for you know three days in new york basically uh and it's just so it's just so heartbreaking as different things are happening. And uh, like she as a main character, uh, Sydney, doesn't really talk much because it's almost like as you're watching the different aspects of her life play out, she's just never really been given the opportunity to do that. And like every like her life just seems to be marked by different types of abuses from different people. And it's just kind of clearly trained her in a way that she doesn't open up a lot so this movie does a lot with like subtle looks and subtle touches like there's one scene with a hand holding which is which just honestly says more than words ever could there's a lot of little moments like that and honestly the the relationship between her and her cousin in this is just beautiful and like even the sacrifices that the cousin takes to make sure that she can get the care she needs is just really really beautiful it's a very simple movie and it's it almost feels like it could be a documentary just without the stopping and asking you like how are you feeling right now what's going on walk us through this it's just yeah. almost like like a fly on the wall almost a fly on the wall following you around and then it, it gets to moments where when somebody actually stops and asks her how she is and how she's feeling it's like she doesn't even know how to respond and um because that really i feel like that really comes to a moment like ahead when the scene where the title's from plays yeah, out oh the goodness. never rarely sometimes always yeah that's when you get there's so much being said there without any words actually being spoken it's just a really it's a really beautiful movie and i don't think uh it's not really trying to push any kind of agenda or anything it's just showing you a story and letting you know like what it's like right i, I do think that some people will watch this movie and they'll clearly take issue with it because even though it doesn't yes. shove you know an agenda down anyone's throat it it clearly is like there is a point of view here. Yeah, absolutely. I, which I really appreciate it. But the way that story is told is done tactfully. Mm-hmm. And it's done, like you said, through believable human interaction. Like people don't talk like screenwriters. Yes. And I mentioned this in my Sundance recap. I think that's the the hidden strength of this movie is mm-hmm. that, I mean, it, I, if we we're going to look at contemporary films that are so great at show, don't tell. Uh, this is easily one of the highlights. Like I would definitely like bring it up of like, okay, you want to watch a recently made movie that's not French new wave. (laughs) That's like show don't tell. And it lays out how you do that and when to use exposition, when not Mm -hmm. Uh, that that's where this film absolutely shines. And uh, another thing that I just, I can't think enough of is like people compare this film a little bit to Juno, but what I love about it is that, she, this is the type of protagonist who's not Juno. Like, yeah, there's no it's crutch. the polar opposite. There's no like witty comments. There's yeah. no quirkiness. There's no like indie darling feeling to it. Uh, and it's it's almost interesting watching the two side by side and just how different they are. And I like Juno when I saw it. Like, I I you know Juno was one of my favorite movies when it came out. But they're just it's so different, and especially like the way the characters act versus 
each other is so so different like Juno's like surrounded by this loving supportive family that you know might be a little bit quirky and messed up in some ways but at the end of the day she knows they have her back you do not get that in this movie at Mm -hmm. all Um, yeah you really feel like yeah somebody like back against the wall feeling like she you just constantly can tell that this person just feels like her back is against the wall and she doesn't know what to do exactly exactly uh there's a clear message here about how when when we deal when we have to deal with any sort of problem uh there is a time to rely on strangers but you can't trust strangers and Mm -hmm. uh, this movie kind of subverts some of the preconceived notions about uh these certain types of centers in particular some of the polarized negative attitudes toward institutions Mm -hmm. like planned parenthood but i think the reason the film works despite all of that like baggage of controversy and polarizing topics it still is really about the friendship between these two people, these two young women who are mm-hmm. so connected. And there are times when like, I normally would be a little bit annoyed by a movie with such obvious metaphors. Like uh, mm-hmm. a big running thing of this movie is that they care, they carry the, their the literal baggage, baggage through They're New York city. And you're, yeah, it's like yeah. you're sitting there and you're like, okay. <laughs> you know? But at the you, same time, you like, get this. One. Yeah. Give it a it's pass. Cool it's like, um, Parasite. It's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. it's so metaphorical. <laughs> it's <a> metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This this movie is just like yeah, it's it's just so lean, efficient, and moving. And mm-hmm. I just want everybody to see it. Go see it if you can. But I feel weird being like, go see a see movie it. in this certain climate. But yeah. that's the thing is like, I don't know if you would agree or disagree, Amanda. But I think that th- this is a movie you can watch on a TV, on your, you know, your phone, yeah. on a, whatever, like just watch it. Like it's, yeah. it's, it is like that fly in the wall day in the life sort of yeah, format. It's absolutely. not, yeah. it's not, it's not, there's no, it's not, not that it's not shot well and not that it's not filmed right. well and stuff and that thing shouldn't be appreciated, but there's nothing about this that you're like, you need to see amazing visuals. It's not like a 1917 where it's like, you wanted to see it on a big old screen, great sound, all this stuff. This is, this is going to have just as much of an impact in a theater as it would if you were watching it on your laptop. Yeah, if because the story is what is is shining through, and I would hope people still watch it with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like get some people together who love indie film, and uh, I hope you have friends like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there are some mm-hmm. cinemaholics out here, and like, no, no, we're not, we're, <laughs> we're not a friendship service, so we're not going to go yeah. down that territory. But seriously, social like, quarantine together. Um, yeah, there there are definitely like because uh, because seeing this with a group of people, there is something to that. Um, I tend to admit the films where I cry and uh, that's fine. I'm very secure in that because I definitely mm. cried during this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, I did too. It's, it's tough. It's just, it's it tough. hits. It really hits. Uh, this movie also, my gosh, like one thing I didn't mention in the recap was that uh, if you're really like analyzing this film, one of the things that it is about is how uh, the, the title itself is, uh, is about a multiple choice question. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of trying to say, like, yeah, there's there's multiple choices, but there's not really a wrong answer. But at the same mm-hmm. time, there kind of is. And that's kind of like what the heart of this movie is. And like I personally what I took out of it for me is that like we don't understand teenagers and mm-hmm. we can ask them these questions. But honestly, like 
the real connections that they're having are with each other and you just sort of have to stay in, in some ways you have to like have a healthy distance from like the other generation in terms of trying to influence them and change mm-hmm. them and try to over understand them. You'll never have a connection with them that they'll have with each other. And so there was something kind of moving about that. Cause it made me think about how the way that I relate with other millennials. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just different and it's a different kind of dynamic and relationship that uh, yeah. you don't get to see on the screen that often. Yeah, for sure. I definitely got that impression. But uh, one of the for me, when that that scene hit, one of the big things for me, like I think I mentioned earlier, was just kind of like the whole movie as you're going through it is that like she's kind of, you know, like she's made fun of by her peers because clearly somebody start with starting rumors about her for different reasons entirely uh her dad is constantly on her case like this is one of those things that like she's in a talent show and the mom's like tell her she did a good job tell her she did a good job and the dad's just kind of like basically like you're an embarrassment and i don't really like you like the dad doesn't say a single nice thing unless it's like you know oh you know mom says i have to say something nice to you type thing and then you kind of see that you know like it kind of shows just different things where you know he seems like he might be an alcoholic and just different things like that where i feel like there's a lot of neglect going on in her home life and her personal life and that she doesn't really have many people to turn to so when an adult is actually stopping and asking like did this happen to you how are you with this and she doesn't know how to respond because there's like another scene where she's like do you have a place to stay do you have this or that she doesn't know how to react to it because she doesn't think she can trust anyone because she's never had an adult actually try to take the time to talk to her because even one of the other doctors she went to was totally different totally was steering her yeah in different things not even bothering to ask like how did this happen are you okay what led to this anything like that this was the first person that actually took the time to do that and i think her reaction in that scene says a lot because she doesn't know what to say she just starts tearing up basically the more the scene goes on so i'm gonna start tearing up cheese yeah Uh, absolutely yeah there is also a toxic boy because yes there's yeah absolutely what i appreciate is that the film never goes in a territory that feels like misery like misery for the sake of it no 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 not at all so much more realistic and authentic Mm -hmm. than that and I, i do i gotta ask will ashton you you live in pennsylvania and so that's yep. that's a big reason why we're gonna have to reconvene once you see this movie i am even i'm gonna ask you some pointed questions uh probably probably in private just about this film and like uh your impression of it because it does sort of say some political things about pennsylvania that i do think are interesting okay so um that i'm sure that con- that is a conversation just waiting to happen <laughs> yeah i'm very excited to see it but unfortunately i don't know when that'll be but when i get a chance and when I feel I can go out and see movies, I'll definitely make a point to see this one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's get into our final thoughts and grades. I think I already gave my grade on this one. Um, I am, uh, I, I'm definitely an A on it. I think it's an A film and I maintain, yeah, one of the best films of the year. And uh, I think I gave it a nine out of 10 on my official review for it. So almost a 10 out of 10. It's really close. But uh, what about you, Amanda? Yeah, I, I would agree with an A. It's like a four out of five on my letterbox. Um, I, I think it was just really beautifully done. Uh, I thought it was just absolutely amazing. And there, like I said, it, it does so much more with the with the show Don't Tell than anything I can think of in recent memory. And I love, I love good, quirky, fun dialogue as much as anybody else. But sometimes there is just a real benefit to the simplicity of a fly on the wall type story, especially with something like this. Um, so, yeah, it's a definite definite recommend. Absolutely. 
But all right, that is never rarely, sometimes always. That'll do it for the review portion of this episode. Thank you, Amanda, for coming on and talking about all kinds of films of varying quality. I'm glad we ended it on a really good note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. And uh, one last chance, uh, please don't forget, listeners, check out your YouTube channel, uh, mm-hmm. Man of the Jedi. Where else can people find you if you want to uh, I'm on Twitch pretty regularly almost daily so if you're into just chatting live i'm pretty much always on twitch same things uh, amanda the jedi uh twitter instagram letterbox everything pretty simple just amanda the jedi awesome mm-hmm. all right sounds great and uh we will be back after a quick break it's time for a psa podcast service announcement Okay, let's see here. Ah, here it is. Toilet paper. Looks like my local grocery market, Kroger Lion, finally restocked. Hmm. There's about 40 packages here. (laughs) And I only need one or two, but I guess I could just take a few more. Like, maybe 39? Now... Hold on there, you pale yoga pants-wearing millennial. Just what do you think you're doing? Grandma Charades, what in the Snapchat are you doing here? You should be at home watching the new four-part Hulu documentary about Hillary Clinton, which is called Hillary. Streaming now. Now, now, Sonny. This isn't like your tied pods. You can just scoop off the shelf like some skedaddling so-and-so. You need to save a few rolls for the rest of us. But Grandma Charades, there's a contagious virus going around and I need toilet paper to survive. What if I run out of food? I can't just force paper towels and napkins down my gallet. You truly have the gift of youth, Mr. Millennial. But here's the skinny. Well, this virus is indeed very contagious. And you should, of course, be staying at home as much as possible playing your video games. It's irresponsible to take more than you need and thus create a panic of shortage. Does that make sense without you having to hear me say it on some kind of YouTube video essay? Gosh, Grandma Charades, I had no idea I was contributing to the systematic problem of people all over the United States and beyond hoarding an ungodly amount of toilet paper for seemingly pointless reasons. I guess I'll put some of these back and respect that even in a crisis, there's no excuse for being full of crap. Glad to hear it, Mr. Millennial. You'll save money too, what with those student loans you've been unfairly saddled with by predatory college institutions and the federal government. Hey, wait a minute, Grandma Charades. Your cart is filled to the brim with hand sanitizer and 12 copies of Reader's Digest. Ah... Uh, uh. What if someone else wants to read about six puppies that are the easiest and hardest to train? Uh, well... Uh, and whose grandma are you, anyway? Well, look over there! It's Jennifer Lawrence signing a film deal with Crackle! Wait, what? Cinemaholics does not represent the behavior, opinions, or stereotypical attitudes about generational differences in regards to these admittedly poorly named characters and is in no way affiliated with Reader's Digest, Kroger, Foodline, Jennifer Lawrence, or Tide Pods, yet. See show notes for more details. 
Welcome back to Cinemaholics. Uh, we, we did, of course, our review segment earlier in the show with The Man of the Jedi was legendary, but now we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, we sort of talked about this at the beginning of the show. We're sort of doing a, here's how we're going to deal with the coronavirus segment. And uh, the big reason is that, as a lot of you know, the coronavirus has made life very complicated for people in a lot of ways. And we don't want to minimize or, you know, wrongfully amplify the role that is playing on the movie industry. There are obviously a lot of concerns that go beyond how this is affecting movies. But Will and I do want to address it. Yes, like this is going to impact our show. It's going to impact what we're going to be able to talk about because. It's, yeah, it's going to impact everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to impact every walk of life. So, of course, it's going to impact us and what we talk yeah. about because Mulan, Quiet Place, My Spy, right. all of these films and more, uh, Fast and Furious 9, they're being delayed yeah. until further notice. Which, we don't know when they're going to come out. At yeah. All. I mean, obviously, in the scheme of things, these are small potatoes, but yeah. I mean, uh, Can't be say, said enough. at the same time, you know, we, we do have to put a show out, hopefully. So, we have yeah. to we have to kind of improvise in many respects. Exactly. And we're planning to do that. So we want to do different types of episodes. And, you know, in the past, we have done plenty of episodes of Cinemaholics where we talk about streaming releases. Mm -hmm. And we have a feeling a lot of you will be interested in that. You'll want to hear what we think about different things that are coming out on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, uh, whatever, right? Yep. And we're going to do our best to cover those. But the problem is that it's not as if a lot of like original things, like new things are going to be coming out week to week on streaming. So maybe they will, know. maybe they won't. Yeah. We we're expecting more of like, for example, this past week, frozen two was pushed out way earlier on Disney plus than they originally planned. I think it wasn't going to be for another few months mm -hmm. before they were going to have it out on Disney plus, but seeing this as a kind of an opportunity, frankly, People are more people are staying at home and they're watching from home. And so this was a, a way for Disney to be like, well, let's get people to subscribe to Disney Plus. Why not? And that's what is happening. Right. Uh, but we already talked about Frozen 2. We already talked about a lot of the things that you can watch on streaming. So we want to put it out to the listeners what we can make this show into over the next little while. What do you guys want to hear uh, from us? Now, we've already gotten some requests. Uh, some people chimed in in the comments last week. And so we're going to bring that up now. For okay. example, um, multiple people have requested us doing another game night episode, which we are absolutely going to do. Enough people have requested it at this point where no question, we are absolutely going to do another game night. Uh, for those of you who don't know, game night is something that we did last uh, season of the show with Corey Woodruff and Sam I Nolan. Will, oh, you weren't there. I was going to say, yeah. I don't know why they want us to review that 2018 film twice, but it's what the <laughs> listeners want. Uh, yes, 2018's Game Night. <laughs> but no, what we did was we we played a game called Cinephile, and it was a lot of fun. We we went through, like, it's like, a, not trivia, but sort of like, all right, every, you have to name as many movies as you can from the actor on the card that we just pulled. And so, like, Sam, Corey, and I would, like, do that, and, like, Bruce Willis would come up. And then we'd go, like, round and round until you can't think of any films that Bruce Willis has been in that hasn't been set already. So we did that. That was a ton of fun. Big hit with a lot of the listeners, clearly. And we're looking at uh, even more games, like, movie-related things that we can do in addition to that sort of thing. So that's certainly on the table. And, well, I think we got to have you on. We got to have you do it. I think you would kill. Maybe. <laughs> most certainly hopefully uh yeah. but what what else will what i know you had a few things in mind yeah that you would like to do for episodes well i mean it's not that i had them in, like 
definitively, I just like I propose that like um, Hulu, I know, has the movie Big Time Adolescence that just premiered. I think it actually came out earlier because of this. I think it was supposed to come out last week or next week. I mean, um, yeah. And I believe, yeah. So uh, Disney Plus has Stargirl that came out. Um, obviously, that's going to be a way to um, you, we have a movie we can talk about because on Disney Plus and a lot of people have that. We can also do like, I mean, I didn't propose to you earlier, but I was thinking like we could do the Mandalorian because we never really talked about that in full. I talked about it. Okay. Did you see it? I haven't, but I mean, <laughs> I have a bunch of time now. This so, is your chance. So, I mean, you know, if that's something people want, I can definitely make an effort because it's a fairly short commitment, yeah. right? Like 10 episodes and they're half an hour. Right. So, well, and, and similarly, I really want to watch Watchmen now. Because yeah, that's a good one. Too. I've been meaning to. Yeah, me and too. I, you know, like that's something that I can't believe you and I haven't seen yet, right. considering the cultural impact it's yeah. had. So that'd be a good one. I mean, I know it'd be a little uh, past. Watchmen the, the show, not yeah. the uh, movie or the comic. Right. Just saying. Yeah. Right. No, but I mean, like I, it, it came out a few months ago, so it wouldn't be like striking yes. when the iron's hot. Same with the Mandalorian. But if there is interest in it, and you know, obviously if there is, let us know in the comments. But if that's something of interest that you have seen and you wanted to hear our thoughts on, that's definitely something we can do in the next week or two. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, but there's a couple things. I mean, obviously, like you said, or like I said, there's going to be a bunch of things probably that are going to get moved up or released in the next week or so to uh, address this uh, need for streaming content that's going to come out in the next couple weeks, maybe a couple months. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll play it by ear. Obviously, you know, who knows? Maybe it's like another 10 or not 10. Uh, what was that movie? Cloverfield Paradox situation where just like out of nowhere, Netflix is like, here's yeah. this big movie. Here you go. Well, yeah, because because 10 Cloverfield Lane is kind of what we're that's like the movie we're right. in right now. Exactly. Cloverfield yeah. Paradox is the marketing thing that you're talking about or the release yeah. thing you're talking about. Uh, yeah. yeah th- there's other things we could do. We could also do episodes focusing more on TV shows. Uh, so, we, uh, yeah, we mentioned Mandalorian and all of that. But there's also new TV series that are coming out that we could consider. Maybe we cover something because normally we don't cover TV series, episodic series. Yeah, we've done it once show as like big reviews. Yeah, like I think we did for Maniac a year or two ago and a couple other things. Yeah, we did. So it's not out of the realm. Like usually if we do it, we do a mini series because it's like a beginning and end to the story that we can watch. But I mean, that would qualify for Watchmen. And I know it wouldn't qualify for Mandalorian, but you know. Watchmen is uh, only one season. They're not going to do it anymore. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, that's that's no. their plan. I mean, David Lindelof, I mean, unless he changes his mind, which who knows, but I, I know he has said several times at this point, like, I don't have any ideas for season two. I don't want to do season two. I only imagine this as one season. So I'm even more interested now. Now I got to. OK, let's wrap this up. Well, because I want to go. see. Well, it. I think it's because um, I mean, you know, I mean, it kind of made sense with like the leftovers, too. Like, I think after mm-hmm. loss, he's just like, I don't want to like do like a multi episode season thing yeah. where like I don't really know how to end it. He could hand it off to somebody though. And right. Yeah, I would say another th- it, like kind of in that vein, uh it would be really really cool for us to do um more classic movies. So, we have extra milestone of course. Yeah. We could possibly do more extra milestone content. That is another yeah. option that's available. Right. I, uh, I I like that you go for that. In my mindset it's like why don't we watch this a really terrible movie that we can trash? <laughs> oh no! Well, yes. Okay. No, but you have. Do so you have an idea for this? Please share with the listeners. Um. Yeah. That's my. That's my. I'm throwing that out there. I mean to throw that into the episode somehow. But if if you look up the movie Legend of Sasquatch, which I found out about uh, last week, 
and have been bothering John about, and you're like, what do the Cinemaholics think about that? Now's yeah. the time to pester John on Twitter. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, don't do not do that. Uh, yeah, I don't know, because Legend. there's a broader idea here that I do think is interesting. I don't think Legend of Sasquatch is going to get much traction, but... You never you, know. <laughs> if you do want us to talk about something that is like a bad movie, like on purpose like kind of like it ain't ogre till it's ogre it's not really like that's not like the actual premise of your your podcast that you do with matt and yeah. chris but it is sort of something that you it's sort of like become that where you fixate on a single movie that's not exactly critically beloved the only one you did was shrek i guess that was yeah um but you know you did things like cat in the hat garfield the mm-hmm. movie and now scooby-doo the live yeah. action version yeah. uh we could do something like that with films that are critically panned and we could do like a set you know like a re-examination of like let's rewatch the last airbender is it really is as bad as we remember and like we could do okay. something like that like a little spin-off series yeah uh, in i that mean realm uh not in that vein but i imagine there are probably some listeners who'd be interested in us doing like a retro review of some pixar movies that might be yeah. an option for sure. Uh, uh, lots of retro reviews, like like recent retro. And yeah. uh, another thing is we have a ton of uh, movies we haven't seen. So we could do some first time viewings. Yeah, that's weird. Um, you and I have our list of uh, there's plenty. So let's like go through it here. Uh, yeah. Will Ashen and I actually made a recent deal. And the deal was that if Will Ashen watches Avatar The Last Airbender, this series, which okay. I would destroy the world for a chance now how big of a commitment is that you, like this, this is funny idea. enough i have okay. been re-watching the series myself and you know it's not each season is about 20 episodes or so and each episode is about 20 to 24 minutes okay so it, it'll take a minute you know like it, it'll yeah. take a few weeks but it's such a good show you owe it to yourself um emotionally spiritually john shows I propose that you watch for the most part have been like two to three seasons, 10 episodes a piece. That's the deal. So, so in exchange, I watch all of Joe Parra talks with you and, uh, what what were the other ones? Um, I also wanted you to see review, um, which is the Andy Daly comedy central series. Yeah. Which I think is one of the best pieces of comedy that's come out in the past few years. And I think it's sorely overlooked. Um, I also propose life and times of Tim, which, I'm kind of back and forth on that because I haven't really revisited that show in a while. And I don't imagine some things could probably not age well with that. So I don't know. I'd be more interested in the first two. Well, there's Um, also the Simpsons, which that is a commitment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put that on you because that's just (laughs) (laughs) I still because I still really want to watch Clone Wars. Uh, I'm still working through that series. And so that's a Disney Plus thing. And Simpsons, I don't think they've fixed the aspect ratio on Disney Plus yet. Uh, They're supposed to by now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they have yet, but they, they're supposed to pretty soon. Um, yeah, but that's, that's certainly on the list. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I I know there's going to be a bunch of Netflix things that are going to come out. There's usually anyway. Um, there's also like if there is something on Netflix that we miss, you know, just because of the gargantuan amount of things that come out on Netflix that you're like, we want to hear what you have to say, even if it's yeah. like a month or two or older. That's something you can propose in the comments as well. I mean, I, I, I don't know everything that's on Netflix, so I'm sure like. I don't know, maybe like something like Narcos. Maybe people really want to hear what we think about Narcos. Yeah. I've watched it, so I don't know. <laughs> I've seen the first season, and it's or, good. I, uh, I haven't seen the rest of it. Or our long-promised and never-delivered Stranger Things talk. Yeah. Ooh, that's weird. It's weird that we never got to that. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm also, I'm looking at the list of things that I put on Will's list that he needs to watch. They include the end of the effing world seasons one and two, which yeah. that's we not a also, big time uh, commitment. Uh, do you, I'm not okay with this, which came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So you see, you still saw the, you've only seen the first three episodes you said. Yeah. And I think there's only eight in total, so it's not yep. that big of a commitment. They're only like half hour episodes each. So that might be worth us, uh, diving into together. Yeah. Cause I could watch that. Uh, there's also Lock and Key on Netflix, which I've heard is good, and I I've been meaning to oh, see it myself. I heard that myself. was bad. I've been hearing it's good, so okay. I don't know. All right. And uh, there's Freaks and Geeks. This is something that I've been wanting Will to watch for the longest time. It's one of my favorite like TV series ever. It was uh, created by Paul Feig. Uh, there's also Mad Men. Um, you haven't seen all yeah. of Mad Men yet, which is probably my favorite show of all time. My two favorite yeah. shows. Let's say my three favorite shows are Community, which you have seen, yeah. Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Mad Men. Um, I would love it for you to see just one, one of those things in all of its entirety. Yeah. I mean, I have seen the first season of Mad Men, so I, I'm not completely out of it. I yes. just haven't seen it in its entirety. Uh, there's also uh, Columbus, uh, the, the Haley right? Richardson and John Cho movie I really want you to see. Yeah. There is Goodfellas, but we might be doing that for extra milestones, so I'm good with waiting Possibly. on that. That uh, is same on thing Netflix, with Schindler's though. List. Yeah. Um, and then Batman the Animated Series, which that's not as high on my priority list, honestly. And you've already seen Mask of the Phantasm, which you have uh, yeah. put in our notes here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a game plan we sort of have. We're playing it by ear and we're trying to get some feedback from all of you listeners. If you have ideas, if there are specific things you'd like to hear us talk about, if there are things that are not on our radar or you're not sure that are on our radar that you want to send our way, please do. Easiest way to do that is on cinemahawks.com, the comment section for this episode, or you can email us cinemahawkspodcast at gmail.com. But let's finish the show real quick with, uh, Will. I just want to toss it to you. Are there any okay. reviews that you want to do a catch up on? I know there's plenty of things we could spread out over the next couple of weeks, but is there any other film that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the show that you have? Cause you have been watching plenty of stuff yeah. uh, that you want to plug right now. Sure. I mean, I have seen uh Buffalo, which is a movie I've been meaning to talk about. I saw the lodge. I've seen zombie child. I see synonyms. I've seen the assistant. And uh, I believe I'm still embargoed on this film, but I have seen My Spy with Dave Batista. So those are all options as well. If you want to talk about those, like I said, might be embargoed still for My Spy. I'm not 100% sure. Everything is so, uh, you know, everything yeah, is kind of better safe air, than so. sorry. Right. Honestly. But um, the rest of those are, you know, totally up for game. Um, a lot of those are available now on VOD or streaming. Oh, also I saw... Um, the last thing he wanted, which is a Netflix original. So I can talk about that as well. Um, yeah. If any of those are of interest, just let us know in the comments. And I believe John has seen one or two of those as well. So he can talk about those too. Yeah. Like the assistant, um, I haven't seen the lodge and I'm actually looking up on cinemahawks.com right now. Cause I have the yeah. website right here. I'm going to see if we had any comments that already that were sort of asking us to try, maybe talk about this thing or talk about that yeah. thing. Um, and so what one comment was just about the intro of the show last week, which we did get some appreciation. Will, um, okay. I know you, you weren't the biggest fan. Of, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put words in my mouth, John. And uh, yeah. Uh, so Squidward smells good. Asked us to recommend some streaming releases worth checking out. So we kind of did that already. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other things like uh, I think in the podcast service announcement, um, there was something that one of the actors in that 
uh, actually, because we did hire actors for the podcast service announcement that you heard earlier. Yeah. And uh, one of them mentioned the Hillary documentary. It's a four-part documentary. Um, there's plenty I'll of other I'll probably things. pass on that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty long. Um, I yeah. haven't started it yet, but I, I do yeah. want to get to it. I think it looks interesting. Um, was there anything else streaming we haven't mentioned? Might have to give it more thought. I, I mentioned Pale Horse last week, which I enjoyed. That was uh, decent. It's on Amazon Prime right now. I still need to finish Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two. Uh, never. Yeah, me too. I've only seen a few of those episodes. It's good. It's Yeah, yeah it's still still funny um didn't ozark just come out with a new season maybe i, I didn't really finish and, the first season okay How i'm many just thinking like things that, at this point yeah i think it's at three right now okay i haven't seen any of it so i don't know um, hey julia gardner from ozark uh the assistant yeah. there's a connection um looking at what else uh all the bright places which i think you talked about last week yes Ugh, um, that movie is bad lost girls is something lost girls with amy ryan uh yeah i was thinking about catching that this weekend and talk about it uh, on the show i haven't gotten a chance there's also uncorked which is going to be on netflix soon and okay. um oh gosh the trials uh, of uh gabriel fernandez is one thing that's on there now for a second i thought you were talking about the one about the mind of aaron hernandez which is apparently way different okay. uh there's also timmy failure on disney plus which you reviewed a while back oh, yeah. and i haven't yeah. finished it yet i was really enjoying yeah. it it's funny. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I'm going to put my foot down on Love is Blind. We're not talking about that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're not. We're, this is not where you want to go for like reality stuff. Uh, Bachelor. That's not really our, our real house. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, Altered Carbon, I think, is also on there. now. Yeah. New season of Altered Carbon. I didn't finish the first season of that either. I thought it was very flashy, but yeah, I just I couldn't get sucked into it. Um, there's sorry, there was only one more comment and it was asking us for us to do another game night. So there you go. Solidarity. Yeah. It seems, uh, seems to be a popular opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh, one commenter did ask us, how are you guys doing the podcast without anything hitting theaters? Well, I mean, we have, we have options. We'll, we'll improvise. We'll figure it out. We just play it by week at this point. Um, yeah. So like, obviously everything is just kind of up in the air right now. It's hard to know what's going to happen in two weeks, let alone tomorrow. So yeah, it, it we'll just we'll just play it by ear. Sounds good. Well, that'll probably do it for us this week on Cinemaholics. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, don't forget to also check out Amanda the Jedi's YouTube channel and all of her awesome stuff. Uh, so plugs plugs for that are in the show notes, of course. And I can't say for sure what we're going to talk about next week, but we'll do our best to make it a we got great options. show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody, stay safe. Everybody, stay. <laughs> sanitized yeah wash your hands don't touch your face yeah um, take take a cue from mr millennial and grandma charades uh try to minimize um contact and use yeah. common sense um, i mean yeah like thing. obviously you know people work especially if they have minimum wage jobs just yeah. be careful out there that's right um we will see you all next week from the internet california i'm john agroni and for the internet pennsylvania i'm Lash. see you next time